What is going on, everybody? It is Jamie Shaw here on the Absolute Basketball Podcast. Very excited for today's episode as we have Dan Ficke, the head coach of Belmont Abbey Basketball. Uh, today we go through Dan's time uh, growing up, how he got into a, the game with his dad uh, being an NBA scout and, and NBA personnel. We go through his time as a coach and the coaches uh, that he coached under at Loyola, Denver, uh, Wake Forest, and uh, – his biggest adjustment being so young as a head coach at Belmont Abbey and the success that he's already had and stuff, what they got coming back. The list goes on. It's a great conversation, very insightful for all the young coaches looking to listen, but also too um, for, for, for people looking at a young coach who's got a very successful future ahead of them. But before we get into it, I ask the normal, please, if you would subscribe to this podcast, if you would please rate it five stars, and leave a comment about what you like the most. This helps us in the ranking. This helps us get these coaches, these stories out to more people across uh, the platform. And, and that, would, that would be great. So rank uh, five stars, review, subscribe. And without further ado, here is Belmont Abbey head coach Dan Ficke on the Absolute Basketball Podcast with Jamie Shaw. Thank you guys very much. What is going on, everybody? Jamie Shaw here on the Absolute Basketball Podcast. I am here today with Belmont Abbey head coach, Dan Ficke. Dan, how's it going? It's going great, Jamie. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Man, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you taking some time. I know that uh, you got you running around all over the place in this time and stuff, but I appreciate you taking a few minutes out. No, absolutely. We, we go way back, so it's good to, to see you and, and talk to you again. No doubt. Um, so kick things off first. You played at Loyola of Maryland. Uh, you were from 05 to 09. You were part of teams that won 69 games there. What type of player were you? <laughs> um, I, I was a, a garbage man, I think is probably the best way to describe it. I, I was, um, you know, I, I was a walk-on my first year and earned a scholarship uh, for my last three. And kind of my role was get out there and, and defend and rebound and, and don't take a shot unless you know you're going to make it because if you miss it, you're going to hear that horn. Um, but I, I, I loved every minute of it. I, I, you know, like a lot of kids, I had that D1 dream and I was fortunate enough to live it. And for me, it was about being a part of that and, and fit my role. And I was kind of the, the hardworking guy that, you know, just did whatever coach asked him to do. And I loved, uh, loved every minute of it. So your dad, Bill, was a longtime NBA assistant and scout working alongside the likes of Doug Moe, Larry Brown. Um, what was it like growing up with him in the household as an influence? You know, it was early on, it, it I would say more of a, an adversary in some ways. You know, he, he knew everything about the game. I was a stubborn little kid and I didn't want to hear any of it. Um, but now, I mean, now more so than ever, I think since I've gotten into coaching and I grew up and I don't even real, I think I realized the the blessings that I had in that regard of, you know, being able to go to, to Philadelphia Sixers camp and, and watch Allen Iverson and um, you know, to go to Colorado, uh, up to the University of Colorado to go to games and sit on the floor because Doug Moe's son was an assistant for Ricardo Patton, who I ultimately ended up being an assistant with at Denver. But, um, you know, I'm blessed. And, and, you know, now it's even more special because my dad's so involved with it. Um, he comes to a lot of games. He'll, he'll go on the road recruiting with me. He comes on the team bus. And, and so it's really a special father-son thing for us now. Um, and, and he's always sending me emails every day. He's got all these daily coaching emails, and he'll send me different articles. And so it, it's been really fun. And ironically enough, your dad played at Belmont Abbey. So yeah. when growing up in Colorado, how familiar were you with this Belmont Abbey program? You know, I had heard his stories uh, all growing up and, and all his stories because he played for the legendary Al McGuire. So there were a lot, a lot of stories about him and, and his antics when he was the coach here. And 
Um, there's some story where my dad, Al told the, the school yearbook that my dad was there and he was a champion bird caller and knew like 65 bird calls. Then his sophomore year, it was 68. So um, yeah, just those kinds of stories. But then when I came to Wake Forest, uh, my first co coaching job uh, under Jeff Buzdelic there was when I really got to know the school. And, and really my dad, I think, got reconnected coming out to North Carolina more and getting back involved with the alumni and the team. And our AD now was the head coach at that time, uh, Stephen Miss. And so I, I got to come up to the Abbey and, and develop a relationship with Coach Miss and um, you know, just worked out that fortunately, you know, there's so many years later now the opportunity presented itself and, and they felt I was the right person to, to take the job. Well, so already in your young coaching career, you've been a coach at your alma mater. Now you're the head coach at your dad's alma mater. I mean, that's a pretty cool experience. It's, it's been awesome. And I've been fortunate enough to, to coach back home in Colorado, too. I mean, I, I, you know, many coaches get into this and, and they never really have a place to call home because they're moving from job to job and place to place forever. And for me to be able to get back to Colorado where I grew up and, and just have so many fam much family and my wife is there from there as well. Um, I've, I've been very fortunate in my career to work for some great coaches, Rodney Billups, Jeff Bazdelic, mm -hmm. uh, Gigi Smith, Tubby's son, um, played for a great coach, Jimmy Patsos. Um, and, and just, I've, and also Joe Scott at Denver too. And, and so I'm very fortunate and it's been really awesome to, to come here and be a part of Belmont Abbey with the, the family connection. And I want to get to your kind of coaching and all that kind of stuff, the guys you coached with and, and played for and stuff in, in a second. Yep. But after graduation, during grad school at Loyola, you know, you coached high school basketball, JV and stuff. And then yep. you immediately after that went to Wake with the option right. with Jeff. Uh, was coaching always your passion? It was. I think I knew when I went to college, I knew in my mind I wanted to be a coach. Like you mentioned before, growing up in around the business, in the business, around the game, uh, my aunt is a a Hall of Fame coach up at Adelphi in New York. Um, I, I thought that's what I wanted to do. Uh, my dad, my college coach, told me I was insane and, and that I should get a business degree instead of my original plan was a coaching, uh, an education degree because I would be teaching coach in high school. Um, but I, so I did go with business, but I was fortunate that my last year of grad school, I, I finished up uh, my eligibility and had one more a year of grad school left and so I stayed in Baltimore and, and was fortunate to get the JV head job at Boys Latin mm -hmm. and it was really my first taste of do I really want to do this and I just fell in love with the opportunity to to help kids uh, and, and to be on the floor with them and ultimately you know to to hopefully have a positive impact in in their lives outside of basketball as well. So in your time in basketball as you mentioned before you played under Jimmy Pastos and you coached with Gigi Smith at Loyola, Jeff Bizdelic at Wake Forest, and Rodney Phillips at Denver. What all did you take away from each of these guys to help kind of mold your own personal voice on the bench? Yeah, um, you know, Jimmy Patsos, for, for anyone that knows him, is probably one of the more animated coaches uh, that has ever <laughs> been on the sidelines in college. Um, and, and I definitely have an element of that. Uh, Jimmy was unbelievable at um, kind of splitting the difference of holding us accountable on the floor and being competitive and passionate there, but also making sure we knew how much he loved us off the floor. And, mm -hmm. and that's been a, a point of emphasis for me. Um, you know, Gigi comes, comes from a great basketball family uh, and, and had worked for Jimmy. So there was some crossover there, but Gigi is a, um, you know, kind of the, the opposite of Jimmy. He's very calm, cool, collected on the sidelines. Um, and also gave me that perspective of there's, there's benefit to that as well and not being too emotional. 
Um, you know, Rodney was an unbelievable player development coach, an unbelievable player coach and building relationship with our guys. Um, and also he really taught me uh, the importance of not just being involved in, in basketball, but building relationships around campus, in the community. Um, you know, Denver was his home and his alma mater, uh, but he really went out of his way to build relationships with all the other coaches in our department there when he got the job and, and to get out in the Denver community. That's something I've tried to do here um, with our community service, with getting involved with our other um, you know, programs. And, and then with Jeff uh, Bazdelic, obviously uh, he's a great basketball mind. Uh, he, we had a tough go at, at Wake and those jobs are, are never easy, uh, but he is an unbelievable basketball mind and someone I still talk to to this day to, to just get ideas. Um, you know, about what to do, whether it's, you know, defensively in Houston, he was kind of their defensive guru when they started to improve there. Um, but I really saw the offensive side of it um, at Wake and, and just his ability to create uh, offensive sets and, and plays for our guys, uh, something that I, you know, I, I take pride in trying to, to learn and, and get better at every day. But that's been, I think, what would help me be ready for this job and, um, you know, other than the players here, obviously they made me successful last year, but to be ready for this was that I had worked for four or five head coaches. And as you mentioned, I took pieces and, and wrote down notes and always kind of said, all right, this is what I like, this is what I don't like. And, and I want to take those pieces and then make, develop it for who I am and find my voice within that. And then in 2019, last year came along opportunity at Belmont Abbey you know, become the head coach, run your own program, have all that. What was it about Belmont Abbey that drew you to that program? Yeah, uh, you know, obviously the the family ties and, and uh, some a lot of people probably don't know outside of here is I actually interviewed for the job three years ago when Billy Taylor was hired. And, um, you know, looking back now and, and having gone through a year of being the head coach now, um, you know, I thought I was ready. I was definitely not ready at that point. And, and they definitely hired the right person before I got here. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, what drew me to Belmont Abbey was the fact of, like I mentioned before, being able to impact the lives of our, our players, not just on the court, but, but off of it as well. You know, Belmont Abbey's mission is to develop our students, body, mind, and spirit. Obviously we're a Catholic school. Uh, so the spirit, you know, Christ is at the center of that. Uh, and for me, no matter where I coached, our players developing the well-rounded young men and, and being ready for life after basketball was going to be a priority for me, making sure they got their degrees uh, and then obviously helping them realize their basketball dreams as well. So to find a school um, that shared that mission um, and, and will allow me to, you know, impact the lives of my guys as much off of the floor as I can do uh, with the game of basketball was just a, a perfect fit for me. And it's only been a year um, and all that, but what did you find the biggest adjustment moving down that seat was uh, becoming from an assistant to head coach? I think the the hardest part, other than you know, obviously all the different things that now get put on your plate. Um, you know, as an assistant, you feel like you got a lot to do, and and coach is giving you a lot, and you're always wondering why coach um, seems to forget everything or forgets how to use a computer. And and then now I realize, you know, just all the different directions you get pulled in. That that's a big piece of it. Um, but I, I think just the relationship with the players changes a little bit because you're ultimately dictating playing time, you know, shots, rotations, um, you know, and, and I, I, I hate to use the word kind of the, the, the bad, bad cop in, in a, so to speak, but you know, I'm the, I'm the one that controls all of that. And, and um, you know, with the assistant coach, you, you don't have that impact. So you can be that friend and you can kind of play the middle line. Um, 
so that that was the the biggest adjustment I think was changing relationship from being kind of the older brother you know figure for them and, and friend to now um, you know kind of the the dad that has to lay down the law when when guys are getting out of line and and so that really I had to grow there and I think managing the personalities um, you know as an assistant you're you've got your maybe four or five guys that you have academically that you check in with all the time. You have your position group maybe that you work with. But as a head coach, you're touching everybody. And, and you have to, to know them. You have to know how to motivate and coach and, and push them the right way. And, and so really spending the time to get to know those guys was, was a challenge just because there's so much of it. And then constantly throughout the year with what's going on at home or with their girlfriends um, you know, or, their, or their schoolwork. But that was also the best part too, because I really developed strong relationships, I think with not just our, you know, returning guys, but even the two seniors, three seniors uh, that, that will be gone this year. Um, you know, I, I feel like we really came together in, in a short period of time. So year one, y'all were 21 and 10, y'all were 12 and three at home. Overall, how would you say it went? It, it was a roller coaster a little bit. Um, we had an unbelievable start, uh, nine and three at Christmas break. And, and that was a big adjustment for me. You know, Division One, you maybe get two or three days off uh, in the middle of the season like that. At Division Two, you have that whole week where you can't do anything. And it's really like two seasons. And, and so, um, you know, we were, we had two of the best players in the league last year, Romeo Ferguson and Daquan Abram, uh, which I was very fortunate enough to inherit and, and very fortunate they allowed me to coach them. Um, but we were young outside of that. We, we had some academic things and, and some guys that got hurt. Um, and so we started three freshmen, um, not all together all the time, but for the majority of the year, three freshmen were in the starting lineup or in that top six of the rotation. And then, you know, two transfers that we brought in late when I got the job. So uh, outside of Romeo Daquan and Sean Halloran, who was our point guard, um, our other six scholarship players that were in uniform and playing every night, um, had not either didn't play the year before or were new to the program. Mm -hmm. So our early success, I think, uh, jaded us a little bit. And when we came back from Christmas, we were feeling ourselves and, and we were humbled very quickly in January. Uh, I think we lost six of eight maybe. Um, and, and, you know, kind of looking like, man, we, we were picked first and now we were nine and three and now we're, I forget what we were, but, um, to our guys' credit, and, and they stuck with me and they stuck with each other. Um, and, and that adversity, I think, really helped us grow because we went on a, a heck of a run uh, in February to, to finish the year. We won, I think, nine straight, lost uh, in the conference championship game to, to Southern Wesleyan, who uh, was an unbelievably uh, talented and well-coached team this year. Um, Nick did a great job with them, and, and so we were fortunate enough to – we thought our season was over, and – got home that night after losing, everyone's dejected. And, and we went and decided, well, we're still going to watch it. And so I watched the selection show with my dad, um, and then my assistant coaches and Daquan uh, came over. All the guys were like, I, we're, we're too nervous. We're too, we're too scared. We don't want to watch it. And, um, and then we, we got in and it was you know, one of those moments you just, you'll never forget, you know, being in that situation. And, um, I had never been fortunate enough to make it as a player or coach till that point. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, it was uh, side uh, sideline because of, of COVID, but, um, you know, tremendous season. And I just can't speak enough about our guys and their resilience mm -hmm. um, to go through a January like we did and then to come back and, and win nine straight to finish the year. I mean, I was just so proud of those guys for that.
Well, with that, heading into, I mean, you, you had momentum, you had senior-led talent, you had, you had all that stuff, and, and you had next up was Lincoln Memorial in the tournament. Do you ever yeah. sit back and kind of play the what-if game? Uh, I mean, of course, you, you'd love to do that. And, and, you know, I'd like to think, you know, Romeo might have had some, some extra juice in him that yeah. night uh, <laughs> with, with having come from there. Uh, but, I, was, I mean, they're a tremendous team. Um, you know, Coach does a tremendous job with, with them. They're a powerhouse. We were just looking forward to that opportunity to, to see where we stacked up because that's, that's the goal, right, is, mm-hmm. is first be relevant in our conference, which I think, you know, Coach Taylor uh, brought this program back to that, and, and we were fortunate enough to keep it going last year but to be regionally relevant and, and have a chance to, to advance the national stage of the D2 tournament. And, and Lincoln is the standard for that. And, and so to be able to compare ourselves and compete against them, I think, you know, we, we all wish we could have had that experience. Um, but it, it, was, it was a great year. And fortunately, we were Division II Twitter champions. I don't know if you saw that, but um, <laughs> our, our fan base came out and voted for us. I'm not sure any other fan bases knew about it, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so looking further a little bit into the year that y'all had last year, y'all averaged 89 and a half points per game while shooting 37.8% from three and, and dishing out 16.3 assists. I mean, really, really good sharing the ball. Lots of guys playing, touching hot yeah. ball and stuff. How would you describe your style of play? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the offense obviously, you know, excites everybody and, and, um, you know, is what everyone wants to see the highlights of. But we, we started out the year, and, and what my main emphasis was was that we were going to be a defensive and rebounding team first. And we wanted to be that so that it would allow us to play in transition as much as possible, getting stops, getting steals, creating turnovers, and being able to run and, and go because we had a team of, of guards that were really, really good in transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, Juan and Romeo are almost unstoppable. Sean Halloran plays with tremendous pace, and, and Quest Aldridge. Uh, from Mount Tabor, uh, had a great freshman year. I, I'm really excited about the next three years with him. Um, and then, you know, we we had some some big guys that really helped and came along as the year went. So, you know, we were defensive rebounding first, and that was our focus and, and a big shift for us because Coach Taylor had played all zone the year before, and I was going to play 95% man and, and was very fortunate that the guys bought into that and, and gave it a chance. And um, so style play is going to be, you know, we, we want to be up-tempo. I want to be in the 90s and 100s. Uh, I want to share the ball. I, I want to get it moving and, and uh, be hard to guard. We're going to score early if we can. We're going to, um, you know, move it and, and try to score just at all points in the shot clock. I'm not that guy that's, you know, score early or, or wait till the last 10 seconds. No, we're going to take the best shot when we get it. Uh, but we talked a lot about and we worked a lot on in practice um, you know, one more drive, kick, drive again, kick again, and, and being shot ready. Um, we became a very set-oriented team last year just because of the two talented guards and Romeo and Daquan that we did run a lot of things through them. Uh, and, and that was an adjustment as we went through the year of they had to learn to trust their teammates who were new. And, and when they did that in February, that's when we took off. But we're going to be up-tempo. We're going to be fast-paced. Um, I'd like to get to be more emotion-based in, in some respects. But I'm always going to put our, our best players in positions to be successful and run sets for them to get shots in, in their, their key areas. And then defensively, I want to continue to build our foundation on a man-to-man, hard-nosed. Um, we will start to probably pressure the ball more and, and be a little more aggressive. Um, but, you know, hard-nosed defense rebounding and run it, run it down our opponent's throat and see if they can stop us. And uh, you've mentioned them a few times already, Daquan Abram and Romeo Ferguson. They combined for 43 points per game for your team. 
how big were they in success of your year one? Uh, I mean, I don't think we, we have the success without them, you know, because if, if they don't buy into me, if they don't give me the opportunity to coach them, and then ultimately truly become the leaders of this team and, and get everyone else to buy in, uh, we're not going to have the kind of year that we had, especially going through the adversity that we did in January as a team. Uh, there were a lot of, of conversations uh, after practice, early in the morning, late at night with those two guys um, about sticking with it and fighting through it. And this is going to prepare you for your next step, whether now Romeo at Division One or, or Daquan going overseas next year. Um, but without those two guys, yes, from a, a number standpoint, you know, obviously that's a, a huge impact. Mm -hmm. um, but without those two guys buying in and giving me the opportunity to truly coach them, uh, we wouldn't have that success. And, and even Romeo, um, you know, the defensive change I mentioned, without him on that end of the floor too, and then Quan really came on defensively late in the year too. But Romeo was defensive player of the year. And, and he was all year long coach I'm, I'm ready put me on the best player put me on Jordan Floyd and, and one time it worked and one time it didn't but um, you know that kid's a heck of a player but um, you know it, without those two we don't have that success uh, that we had this year but also after those two your next five Sean Halloran, Crest Aldridge, Charlie Solomon, Ryan Schaffer, Trent Green are four freshmen and a sophomore yeah they all averaged over six points per game this year as well what are you looking for these guys to bring back coming into next season? Yeah, I think uh, the biggest thing we talk about with them is, is just now consistency. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as freshmen, we had to count on Quest, Ryan, um, and, and Charles a lot. And, and they had to be good consistently for us. And that's really hard for freshmen to do, especially freshmen that aren't the top, top kids in the country. Um, and so now that they've been thrown into the fire, uh, I expect them to be leaders for us um, and, and really take that next step. And Sean now has been a starter for two years at Belmont Abbey uh, for every game that he's played in. And, and I expect him as our point guard to take on that role because Romeo and Daquan were our kind of alpha dogs and, and established leaders. Uh, I'm looking for that group to establish themselves, uh, but also continue the trend of, of being unselfish. Like you mentioned, when, when we averaged – 16 or more assists, we won a lot of basketball games. And, and I think while you lose two great players, the, the thing I like most about our group coming back is I think we can be deeper and, and more balanced offensively. I think we got a lot of guys that can fill it up, uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to run through uh, those two guys like it did last year, hopefully. Um, and we can, can really you know, score a lot more points from a, a wide range of guys. And you're bringing in a D1 transfer and a JUCO transfer, along with four high school guys, so six total newcomers to this year's team. Mm -hmm. What were you looking to accomplish with this class coming in? And what do you think these guys will bring to the table? Yeah, I think, obviously, my first true recruiting class. Um, you know, we recruited a kid out of JUCO last fall, Bosco Bojevic, who had a great year for us, and Tyler Wilson, a kid from Raleigh, transferred from Tampa. Um, but those were late gets. They were still available, and then we really felt they were great fits. Uh, this is our first class we spent the whole year on. And I think the high school kids we, we feel are very talented, um, but hopefully won't have to be like Quest, Ryan, and, and Charles were last year in terms of being counted on every day. And they can develop. If they are, you know, better than whoever's in front of them, they'll play. But hopefully they can kind of grow into that. Um, the Division One transfer, uh, Nathan Davis from Quinnipiac, was a kid I had recruited in high school. He's from Colorado. We recruited him at Denver. Um, I knew his game, and, and there's that piece of losing Romeo and Daquan where you say, 
you know, I want to bring in maybe an older experienced guy that can hopefully play the same role or have that kind of impact. Uh, and, and same with, um, you know, our, our other transfer, uh, Mario Lacey. And, and so with those two guys, we look for to added experience, guys that had done it at this level that maybe we could count on um, from day one while the freshmen would have their chance to develop. Because um, I think those freshmen um, and, and Quest, Ryan, and Charles, that class, uh, really have a chance to be special players here at, at the Abbey. So obviously we're going through a time right now of, of quarantine and COVID-19 and all that kind of stuff. You're not able to have your hands on the players. And you're not able to kind of, you know, be with them and all that type of stuff. Uh, how have you handled these last six to eight weeks uh, with the guys and trying to stay on top of things and, 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 and develop still? Yeah, it's, um, you know, I think early on out of when it first happened, we didn't really know what to do. We, we, tried to keep them engaged as they were home, still finishing up classes. Academics were, were the most important piece of it. But we tried to, we had a little team fitness competition. Our strength coach had put together body weight workouts for everybody. Um, myself and our coaches were involved in that. And we were, you know, you gotta post your workout and tag your team or whatever kind of stuff, just to, just something to keep them engaged and excited about, you know, working out and finishing school. Now um, our, our conversations have turned more towards um, you know, building our culture for the future and our returning guys, helping our new guys, you know, know what we're about on and off the court. Um, and then I think obviously, you know, with, with what's going on in our country the last few weeks, um, you know, providing an area of support and, and you know, a safe place for our guys to express you know, their thoughts and, and feelings about what's going on and, and figuring out how we can support them. Absolutely. And, and uh, you mentioned culture and all that type of stuff. What type of culture is Dan Fickey bringing to Belmont Abbey basketball? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, the, the first thing we talk about in our program from a culture standpoint is, is the acronym RAPID. Uh, and it's respect, accountability, passion, integrity, and development. Um, and, and we use those five words and, and, you know, buzzwords, but to talk about how we should live our lives, how we should treat people, um, how we should look at our opportunity here at Belmont Abbey. Um, and, and then on the court, we talk about the old school, play hard, play smart, play together. You know, I grew up around Larry Brown and, and Doug Moe, Carolina guys. And, and so that's been instilled in me from a young age. And then the last piece of it is, is accountability and family. We're going to hold our guys accountable um, to do what they're supposed to do to get better, um, whether it's in the classroom or on the court. You know, their first priority here is to get their degree so that whatever happens with basketball, that they're going to have the opportunity to be successful in this life regardless. And then, you know, family is, is big for me that our program is a place where our guys 10, 15 years from now want to bring their kids back and talk about uh, the times that they had here or that they develop those relationships with their teammates that they'll be in their weddings. You know, my, my best friends to this day are my teammates from college. Um, they're in my wedding. They come my first game. Three of them were down here for that first game uh, that I got to coach here. So, this time in, in our guys' lives is very special, and it's why I love college basketball. Um, and, and so, you know, we're, we're a family program. We're about development and about accountability for our guys. And you want in 20 years for them to be able to talk about the amount of bird calls they can make. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> While on campus. Absolutely. I'm, I'm thinking about adding that to our, uh, <laughs> our website under each guy's uh, you know, bio. Start giving them some special skills. No doubt. Um, so I, now that we're kind of talk about – kids coming back on campus and all that kind of stuff. Kind of what's the plan of attack at Belmont Abbey uh, for the basketball program to get guys back and, and, and move forward? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the school announced uh, on June 1st that we are going to um, 
that we are going to come back on schedule August 18th, but that at Thanksgiving, they're going to send everybody home um, and, and do a week or two weeks of virtual learning and then finals um, from, from home. We're still kind of waiting to figure out basketball-wise what does that look like. Um, is that, you know, they stay all year on campus or, you know, is our season going to be affected in any way? Uh, the biggest thing for me when our guys get back is just getting them back in the gym, back together, um, and getting reps at, at the intensity level that they need for, for game play in college. Because uh, mm -hmm. they're going to go home, they're going to be with their trainers, they're going to be hopefully maybe getting pickup run depending on where they're living. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's a different game once you get back in, into the swing of the college, college scheme of it. And so just getting our guys in the gym, getting them those reps that maybe they missed out on. And, and also that time, like you mentioned, we're doing it virtually, but getting them that time to build those relationships together in person um, is, is really important. I, I'm a big believer in those kind of off the floor things you can do as a team, having them at my house or you know, playing dodgeball in the gym. We, we did a, a series of egg roulette last year where we did trivia and guys were smashing eggs on their heads. So, um, you know, I try to have as much fun as we can off the floor to help us build chemistry for on the floor. That's great. And, and kind of wrapping things up here, uh, Dan, and, and uh, we got a lot of stuff that's kind of going on in the world right now. I'm not going to lead you down any pathway or whatever the case, but is there anything that you'd like to say or anything that you'd like to, uh, uh, you know, just, just, just to say as to where you were, you know, just anything you'd like to say? Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously this time in our country is, is extremely unfortunate. The fact that we're faced with this again um, and, and continuously nothing has been done about it. And um, I won't pretend to know as much as I should um, on the subject, but that's kind of been my, my talk to my players is, um, you know, I, I'm going to give them that space to, to, so that I can listen and they can express their feelings. Um, and, and I'm going to educate myself. Uh, I'm going to understand the issues better and, and be able to support them, um, whether white or black or Latino. We have a kid from Puerto Rico and, and what they're going through, where they come from, their perspective, and, you know, just listen and, and find out how I can support them. Um, but, you know, also I think it's important in, in our country today and, and in our program and in our world, just, um, you know, when you see something that's not right, you know, silence isn't the answer. You, you got to stand up and, and you got to express that, that what's going on isn't right. And, and, you know, the racial injustice, the racism that still exists in our country isn't right. And, and we all have to come together, black, white, um, you know, Hispanic, whatever it might be, we have to come together and we have to figure out how to change this and, and make a difference that's going to be lasting. Um, you know, as a father of, of, of two, I, I want to help them to understand, you know, the way the world needs to be. And, and hopefully our guys can play a part in, in making that change. Yeah. Dan, I, I appreciate the time again. As you said, we've known each other for a while now, and I, I, I couldn't be more thrilled for your success that you had last year. And I can't wait to see what the future continues to bring. Yeah, I thank you for the opportunity to be here, Jamie. And, and I'm excited for you too. This has been great to, to be a part of this summer, just following uh, along with the podcast and, and all the posts you've been doing. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. Guys, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, for Dan Ficke, I'm Jamie Shaw on the Absolute Basketball Podcast. We'll see you next time.